You're listening to Canada Reimagined. I'm Patrick Esmond White. This episode, Quebec Libre. Way back in early episodes of Canada Reimagined, I proposed meaningful restitution to First Nations. I explored sustainable prosperity. I took on issues like health and education and constitutional renovation. One thing kept popping up. Canada could save a lot of money and provide better government if we had national programs in many areas where provinces currently have constitutional jurisdiction. The very first question any Canadian would ask is, what would Quebec do? My expectations about how to answer are based on my experience during the quiet revolution in the early 60s when I lived in Quebec. As an English-speaking army cadet, I marched in a military parade in Montreal and heard the loud boos of Quebec nationalists. Any English kid living near Quebec knew the experience. Writer Hugh McClellan spoke of two solitudes. This reflected our reality. In school, us Anglo students were warned to stay away from mailboxes because of the FLQ bombing campaign. They put bombs in the mail. We were bystanders as the separatists were on the rise. English-speaking Quebecers were quickly on the run. I sort of identified with both sides of the story. I skied for the Montplant ski team, the only English kid on the only Francophone team in the Laurentians. I heard those nasty comments directed towards my teammates. That reflected a reality. The English skied. The Québécois worked the lifts. No wonder Canada was in turmoil. Back in 1867, before my time, the so-called Fathers of Confederation believed in only two founding cultures, English and French. The First Nations were already ghosted, and for a century and a half every effort was made to erase Indigenous cultures. We now know that there were three solitudes. Actually, more than that, with many Indigenous nations and waves of immigrants with hyphenated nationalities. But let's just leave it at three founding cultures. Canada is now a chaotic, multicultural melting pot, which, by the way, I love. But if we accept meaningful restitution to Indigenous peoples, this would upset the old two-nation fiction that is at the heart of the Constitution. And no, the Indigenous acknowledgments in the amended Constitution just don't cut it, they're just words. Imagine that First Nations demanded land to form a new province. Imagine they insisted on language status equal to English and French. Quebec would fight back instantly. But, as the adage goes, what sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. So, why are some founding languages privileged over others? Why can one nation declare separation, but others can't? Quebec claims the right to separate from Canada. By the same logic, the First Nations have the right to separate from Canada or from Quebec. Borders are not sacred. In fact, they may not even be necessary. The irony is that Québécois should recognize some striking similarities between Quebec in the 1960s and First Nations today. It was only in 2006 that Canada officially recognized Quebec as a nation. Yet clearly, 
Quebec has long been a nation by classic definition. That is, the Quebec people have a distinct history, language, culture, and territory. The same is true of indigenous peoples. They are distinct societies. Quebec and Canadian politicians all acknowledge the indigenous nations, but it's lip service. Even the simple idea that First Nation languages should have equal status in the Constitution would be heresy, especially in Quebec. Now, if there's one thing all our federal politicians agree on, it's that you don't mess with Quebec. Don't poke the bear. Constitutional change would definitely mess with Quebec. The constitutional wind for 50 years has blown out of Quebec. Politicians by nature hold a wet finger up into the wind. If they want to spit, they keep their backs to that wind. So when Quebec recently passed newly oppressive language laws and a ban on some religious symbols, not one single political party in Parliament said boo. They turned their backs. It was cowardice. Understandably, the priority of Quebec is, and should be, the preservation of its own language and culture. That's been a common thread in Quebec ever since the Quiet Revolution, and it should be. Quebec differs from the rest of Canada in that it feels threatened by multiculturalism. Nationalist Quebec zealots demand action. Tighten language laws, restrict religious symbols. You can be sure that Ottawa will look the other way. Everyone has done so for 50 years. My generation remembers that quiet revolution. Up to the 1960s, the Catholic Church controlled Quebec education. Quebec elites could become doctors, lawyers, priests, journalists, or local entrepreneurs. The English, on the other hand, controlled the military, ran the economy, and treated Quebecers as second-class citizens. Threatened, Quebec underwent its quiet revolution. National pride was on the rise. The only question facing its leaders was whether or not to stay in Canada. Pierre Trudeau said yes. René Lévesque said no. But on many issues they were of one mind. The old corrupt authorities had to be overthrown. The power of the church had to be reduced. Trudeau won office by being the guy with the answers. As Prime Minister, he brought in bilingualism, promising it would not harm the English or be imposed on anyone. That was not enough for Lévesque. As Quebec Premier, in 1974, he brought in a new Quebec language law. The Quebec Anglophones were betrayed. Ottawa turned its back. The new Quebec flourished. Education was one key to success. One of the first things Quebec did was to create a network of CSHEPs, colleges unique to Quebec. Universities were expanded, building the middle class. It worked. After half a century, Quebec is reaping the rewards. The population is exceptionally well-educated. Montreal is a hub of advanced science, technology, and the arts. The economy is thriving. Led by René Lévesque and Premier Bourassa, Quebec nationalized hydro and built the James Bay Project. That ensured its energy security. It's been essential to the Quebec economy. Today, Quebec even has its own immigration policy, civil law, and culture. It has its own income tax and public pension plan. It manages its own health care. The province celebrates the Fête Nationale while ignoring Canada Day. To show its disdain for Canada, it has never even formally approved the 1982 Constitution Act. Three years ago, 
Quebec passed Bill 21, which, among other things, bars teachers from wearing hijabs. Quebec is prepared to use the notwithstanding clause in the Constitution to suspend religious rights all in the name of preserving their national culture. No multiculturalism there. In short, Quebec is already independent within Canada in almost everything but name. What's more, its power is disproportionate. The Bloc Québécois last won about 7% of the federal vote, good for 34 seats. The NDP, with 21% of the votes, three times as many, got 25 seats. The Green Party, with 4%, got a measly two seats. All that could change with voting reform. The point is, when anyone questions Quebec's outsized place in Canada, they're told to hush up, lest Quebec's separatism rise again. Don't poke the bear. Let's touch on language rights. When Quebec began the Quiet Revolution, language was a key issue. Every effort has been made to make French the everyday language in Quebec, letting people speak their tongue at home or at work. French was also imposed on English Canada in the form of official bilingualism. 80% of Canadians don't speak French, so they hesitate to even think of taking a job in the federal government. In Ottawa, this is a reality. Meanwhile, Quebecers know that English is the global language of science, business, diplomacy. It's essential within the Canadian government. So, from an early age, bilingualism is encouraged. They are brilliantly fluent. It's a huge advantage. The politically correct line is, the English should learn French. It's actually not that easy. Elsewhere across Canada, many multicultural communities are bilingual. They speak their endangered indigenous language. They speak their immigrant language. Their bilingualism gives them an advantage everywhere but in Canada. Today, of course, we hear no talk of Quebec separatism. It's a settled issue. A cynical view is that so long as Canada shovels money to Quebec while imposing French on everyone else, separatism isn't needed. Is it too strong to say shoveling money? Well, consider this. Quebec, including Anglophones, has a quarter of Canada's population. Prior to COVID, Quebec expected $26 billion in equalization payments. Ontario and Alberta combined have twice that population and expected about the same amount. Put bluntly, transfer payments and appeasement policies keep Quebec from leaving Canada. Pierre Trudeau was tough on the FLQ, but for Quebec generally, he offered a bunch of carrots to stay in Canada. Yes, Quebec had legitimate grievances. Yes, change was long overdue. The question never asked is, when can you just declare success? It had better be soon. Equalization took money. The goose that laid the golden eggs that made equalization possible was the Western oil industry, and that goose is dying. Yes, oil is enjoying a price spike, but the end of the oil age is in sight. Better get used to it. Looking ahead, equalization will be revised and Quebec will lose billions. Add in indigenous restitution and other forms of democratic renovation Quebec will freak out. Nationalism 
will rise again. Count on it. Quebec will oppose cuts to equalization payments. It will oppose constitutional changes that reduce its influence. It will fight the loss of crown land to First Nations or the loss of special status. It will reassert itself into the centre of the national debate. How should Canada respond? This time, Canada should wish Quebec goodbye and good luck. Independence for Quebec makes sense all round. Now, 50 years after the Quiet Revolution, the time is right to consider new ideas and new borders. Canada and Quebec do not need to be married. It's possible to be friends, friends with benefits, as the saying goes, but this will require reimagining how democracy works and how we think about borders. Canada could learn from the European community. As in Europe, Quebec and Canada could cooperate on a wide range of issues yet retain separate national identities. Europe has shown that nations can coexist in what's essentially a confederation. Europe cooperates on economic and trade issues. They handle security through NATO. Quebec's separation from Canada must not be acrimonious. We must remain friends and cooperate on that host of issues. Quebec could then become the country it longs to be with full control over justice, education, health care, and immigration. It could have a distinct foreign policy and stronger ties to the Francophonie. Without Quebec, Canada could save an estimated $3 billion a year simply by making English the sole working language. Canadians currently excluded from public service because of language requirements would have a new opportunity to serve. Quebec would likely keep the Canadian dollar. The two countries would cooperate on trade, food, and drug safety, and a host of other issues. There would be no hard borders or restrictions over where people live or work. In Canada, interprovincial trade barriers cost consumers an estimated 7% today in higher prices. Those barriers could be eliminated all across Canada. Canada would certainly provide services in French as they would indigenous and immigrant languages. Canada could pay Quebec to provide French language schools wherever the demand exists as an extension of the Quebec school system. This points to a key in a reinvented democracy as we find new ways of living on our crowded planet. There is no need for countries or provinces to have contiguous borders. An indigenous province might include land surrounded by another province. Francophone communities in Ontario or Manitoba might be part of Quebec. Montreal's West Island might remain in Canada, awkward at times, certainly, but possible. Yes, it's political heresy to suggest Quebec leave Canada. No politician dare voice it, yet it makes sense. It especially makes sense in the context of First Nation self-determination. A reimagined Canada would be on the cusp of moving beyond multiculturalism into a new form of confederation. Quebec's pure laine nationalism cannot easily fit into this multinational democracy, but we can share respect and pursue mutual interests. It's time to part ways, amicably, creatively, positively. Vive le Canada, vive les Premières Nations, et vive la Québec libre. 
You've been listening to Canada Reimagined. I'm Patrick Esmond White and wholly responsible for everything that you have been hearing. I'd like to thank Tom Plant for my theme music, Tom Evans for my art, and Harbinger Media for allowing me to participate in a wonderful collection of independent Canadian podcasters. Tune in again next week and tell your friends about this show. Thank you.